Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Doctors and Dollars podcast, where we discuss health insights and wealth secrets. I'm your host, Nate Crannell, joined today by Amy Wilson. Amy is a board-certified geriatric pharmacist, a certified fitness professional, and a certified nutrition coach using the Faster Way to Fat Loss platform. She specializes in developing individualized health plans for her clients and has been seen firsthand how diet and exercise can change a person's life and how the right nutritional program can be the key to improving your health and fitness. If you're looking to become a pro at fat burning, balancing your critical hormones, or skyrocketing your daily energy, look up the nutrition coach pharmacist after this episode. Welcome to Doctors and Dollars, Amy. Hey, Nate. Thanks for having me. You bet. What's going well today? Oh, it's just, I love fall. I know. I think this is going to hit in November, but I, this is my favorite season. I know a lot of people hate it, but I love it. Yeah. Here in Iowa, we always joke, um, the perfect fall weather is a hoodie and shorts. Like if you, if you can just rock a hoodie with, with a pair of shorts, even sandals, perfect. Uh, perfect. it's, that's the perfect weather. And then all of a sudden, gosh, it's like November something. It just shifts. And all of a sudden yeah. you're like, gosh, I've got to lose the shorts, tuck those away in the tote down in the basement and out come the jeans. And, and that's, that's when winter starts, but it is, yeah, the, the shorts and, and the hoodie is perfect. Absolutely. Perfect. So I think you're down in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Are you guys, are you getting the tree changing yet? Yes. So I was actually at one of my facilities today, a nursing home, and it was a pretty drive because I've seen all the reds and all the leaves change. So it was, it was gorgeous. For sure. I mean, we're not, uh, you know, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, you know, we're not, Mm. we're not that uh, picturesque, but uh, us in the Midwest, we, we still can change some leaves. It still looks pretty good. And we still get all four seasons. So that's, that's, that's a positive. Absolutely. Man, I have friends down in Arizona that they're like, I don't know how you live in Iowa. Like it, we just love the weather down here. I'm like, no, it gets like 120 and everyone, you know, buckles yeah. down and doesn't leave their house for three months. Which no, thank to you. his point, yeah, to his point, then he says, well, you guys buckle down and don't leave your house for three months in, you know, December, January, February. I'm like, all right, that's touche, but I love four seasons. Love having it. Yeah. The, the, be- the best part of the Midwest is four seasons. And the worst part of the Midwest is four seasons. It's four seasons. Yes, I agree. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm happy to have you here today. Uh, you specialize, you are an expert in a topic that that I love talking about. Uh, I probably need to work on my health and fitness a little bit better than I have, but uh, you know, COVID kind of slowed everybody down. I'm guilty of that. I need to get back into the swing of it. But talking about weight loss, um, talking about you know weight management really is a big thing. Uh, and, and I can't wait to dive in with you today. It's probably my favorite topic one of my favorite topics. So this is gonna be a good conversation. Well, perfect. We blocked off five hours for it. So hey, we're good. (laughs) It's awesome. Well, the weight loss and weight management industry, uh, revenue wise in 2022 Mm -hmm. was $3.7 billion. It's big. It's tell me what? Yeah. I I mean, tell me why you think uh, different weight loss fads or trends gain such popularity and generate a lot of that revenue. But then everyone seems to talk about they just can't stick, seem to stick with it. Like, why do you think that is? I think, and then I'm going to step on probably toes. The industry sets you up to fail on purpose. Okay. And the reason being is that you feel great. You went on this diet, you took this medication, you did something and you lost the weight in X amount of pounds. It didn't set you up for fail or it didn't set you up for success because it gave you the tools at that time and 
it probably gave you the tools that were, you weren't eating enough. You were probably using muscle. And even though you got into the size that you wanted a week later, a month later, it comes back. And a lot of times it brings on even more pounds. I say friends, it's like you lose the weight and it comes back and brings friends. Mm -hmm. So now you're looking for either doing that program again, or that supplement again, or you go on to the next shiny object, which has come on the market. And there are always consumers in the diet industry mm-hmm. that they are, they are so good at making you feel like this is going to happen. This is, this is now going to turn your life around. You're going to get to where you want to be. The gates are going to open up. It's rainbows, hello kitty and unicorns. You know, everything is going to open up for your life. Everything will be happy. And they sell that story to get you into buy. Mm -hmm. And we fall for it every single time. We also fall for wanting it very quickly, not wanting to do the work, not wanting to do the... I want to say it's, it is the it is the more difficult way. The way that our body is programmed is the more difficult way. We mm-hmm. want things in in Amazon Prime Time. We want things that <laughs> it's easier to, hey, let me push a button or let me scroll through Instagram and find the latest trend that's going to make things easy. And some things, we want, you know, my I, my parents always say, if you work for something, you'll be more appreciative of it. In this case, it's it's actually true because when you actually work on something, meaning your body, learning how to fuel, eat what you need, learning how to build muscle because we need that. It is a slow freaking process, <laughs> but, but it works and it works for the long term, and it works for your health. The diet industry does not go hand in hand with health. And, but we think it does. We're led to believe it does but it doesn't. Yeah. And I always, I feel like, and maybe this is a recent thing. I mean, you get on social media and I feel like you scroll Instagram and every third thing is an ad about weight loss or some new fitness program. And I feel like there's a bit of gaslighting going on of like, oh, you tried keto. That's cute. Like now try this high protein diet. High protein diet didn't work for you. You don't want to be big and bulky. You should be a vegetarian. And like, there's, there's a lot of gaslighting that goes on. I feel like as new, new trends and new fads come along. And so do you, to your point, I mean, just the idea of just solid hard work, it doesn't have to be super complicated, but it does take patience and it does take time. People just want that easy button, uh, yeah, and, be able to hit that and, and go. And you, you know, you mentioned Instagram, so you're scrolling up and, you know, and you have to understand a 15 second reel. It's not going to show you or tell you what you really need to not going to tell you how this program is going to work with you or against you, or if this person that you're seeing or idolizing is actually going to pick up the phone and talk to you. So -hmm. there's so many things out there or, or, you know, it's like, Oh, this is, this is the best thing. Oh, I'll and microwave something. I didn't know that part. And you, you see all the, the good, the shiny, you don't see the real. And mm. I always say, educate, 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 learn everything you can before you start something. Yeah, that's good advice. I mean, 
anything, not even weight loss related, but anything new in your life, there's got to be a ton of research. And that's, I feel like uh, in today's society where patience is limited, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I don't have a ton of patience. Ask my kids. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> just being able to sit down and do research and make informed decisions in anything in life. I mean, we we're talking yeah. about investments earlier. We we're talking about uh, anything. You just, you got to make informed decisions. And I feel like that's, that's why things become a fad or a trend. You know, once people mm-hmm. start doing research on it, they're like, ah, that's really not for me. Or that's not, you know, there's a lot of adverse effects that I'm not going to do that. And then they'll go out, find the next thing. And that trend, mm-hmm. you know, falls to the wayside and people forget about it. But what would you say is like the, like, look in the last 20 years, what do you think has been like the most dangerous weight loss idea or trend that has come about? Oh my gosh. Where do I start? Um, you know, well, we had FenFen back in the day, which was fenteramine. And man, I can't remember what the other Fen was. It was taken off the market. Uh, that caused heart issues, strokes and heart attacks. We had supplements that were on the market that people would take that caused strokes and heart attacks. Um, you know, there is... I don't want to bash any program because there are people who do keto who need to do keto. It's for most people, it's not a life sustaining, meaning that it's not, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to do keto for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. It's something that you can do for a small period of time. And then all of a sudden carbs come back and you're going, Oh, I don't want to give up carbs. I don't want to go back to just eating (laughs) high fat and protein and nothing else. Um, I think cycle it's, it's, but I think a lot of the medications back in the day, a lot of the supplements, there's still a lot of supplements that are sold and people think that the supplements, well, they must be FDA approved or they wouldn't be on the market. That is not the case. Supplements don't have to be FDA approved. They don't have to be shown safe and effective. The only time they're really pulled off the market is when they are shown to be a detriment to society, when they do cause death, when they cause other issues. Now, medication behind the counter with a pharmacy has to go through some testing and has to be shown for the most part being safe and effective, but there's also side effects. And that's the other things that people don't realize is when they take medications, there always will be side effects. Nothing's a hundred percent pure. Uh, so, you know, we go through all these fads and there are so many that I say anything you take to the extreme of the fad, that's 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 where it's that's where you have the issues. You know, you know where you do just extreme keto and you can't enjoy your life, or extreme. Um, there's just been so many things out there. You know, for a while there we had no carbs, and then we had just protein, and then we have just fat. And what we need to find is the balance because you need all three of those are called macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbs. You need all three. So, yeah. So I would say anything that is the extreme, anything that takes out something um, of one of those macronutrients is not a good idea. Yeah. And I know I mentioned earlier when I was reading off that, that dollar figure, $3.7 billion industry from a revenue standpoint last year, I I imagine a lot of that has to be weight loss. Like you said, weight loss medication, Mm -hmm. weight loss supplement. I think where people are lacking uh, and this might be your expertise is weight management, you know, getting someone down to that goal weight or the healthy weight that they should be, but then maintaining it for years Mm -hmm. after. And -hmm. I feel like that's, that's kind of the missed, uh, that's the cog in the wheel that, that people aren't paying attention to that really needs to be uh, handled. And and I think, and this is one thing I've done, and, and I think that you're probably an expert in this, but like, I feel like counting the calories, 
is is not great because people will under eat their calories. Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting down, counting all their macros, like you know, I've I've followed bodybuilders for a long time, and and people that count their macros that can be cumbersome and and really take over your mm-hmm. life. Um, talk to me about something that, that I've, I've always had interest in. I've done it here and there, but like intermittent fasting, is that something where you can eat healthy, but like it, it works for you can, that's something you can do for a long period of time or am I wrong there? No, you can. So, but I will say that you also need to pair it just for a little bit with, with macro counting. And okay. I'm going to explain why. So intermittent fasting is not a diet and that's what, that's what so many people try to use it as is like, okay, I'm just going to eat for this period of time. And then I'm not going to eat for this period of time. So we call the time that you're eating your feeding window. And then the time that you're not eating is when it's closed. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that they can eat whatever they want. So it's like, Hey, I can eat whatever I want between 11 and seven. And I've lost so much weight doing that, but Okay. Great. But what are you doing for your insides? What are you doing for your health? Because losing weight doesn't mean healthy. And when you use it as a tool and you are getting the fuel that you need, that's why I will tell people when I first work with them that we are going to track macros. We are going to make sure because most people don't eat enough. Mm-hmm. And meaning that they're not eating enough right food. We do overeat. We have an overconsumption, but it's overconsumption of ultra processed foods. When you start eating real food, it's amazing on how much you have to eat to fuel your body. When you do that and you add intermittent fasting, and I don't mean one meal a day because for females, that's not good. That's not good. Some, mm-hmm. some men can do it, but you usually can't get the amount of nutrition that you need in one meal. When you do like, let's say 11 to seven, a 16, eight protocol means that you're not eating for 16 hours. You're eating for eight hours. That is a great protocol to use as a tool. And what intermittent fasting will do is it will help do something called um, autophagy, which is the cell turnover, cells regenerating. It helps with decreasing insulin resistance. It helps to increase insulin sensitivity. All of that kind of reverses aging process. Okay. Which is really, I mean, honestly, when you start getting to midlife, that's what you're looking at. You don't want to mm-hmm. look your age. You don't want to feel your age. And you pair that with good nutrition. And now it's a win-win. The problem is, is if somebody is just eating ultra processed foods during that window and not paying attention to what kind of carbohydrates they're getting, what kind of protein, what kind of fats that they're putting in their body, So you're kind of just putting in really bad fuel into this amazing machine that we have. So if you go Mm -hmm. up to the gas station, you're like, okay, I'm on empty and your car takes supercharge and you give it the, the worst gas ever, it's not going to make it down the block. So you'll have people going intermittent fasting going, yeah, this is great, but I just don't feel good. I just don't get it. I mean, I, I thought I was supposed to, you know, they might lose a couple of pounds or, or the first week, but then they stall and they don't understand. Well, because you're not using that to fuel your body the way it needs to be fueled. We are an amazing machine that is full of chemical reactions everywhere. And if you give it the right fuel, things go boom and they do what they need to do. If you don't, 
that it's kind of like when your chemistry lab and things didn't go boom, you're like, oh, I didn't do very good. You want that chemical reaction. You want that boom. You want that vib- that vibrant of, of your neurotransmitters working, your dopamine, all of their microbiome, everything, um, your enzymes, the chemical reactions that help your hormones, that just help you function. And when you give it subpar fuel, you're going to get subpar results. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that helps confirm for me that the intermittent fasting is more of a weight management tool. It's not Mm -hmm. the weight loss tool. It's like, man, I really want to lose 15 pounds. I'm going to intermittent fast. And a lot of people will do that. I think to your point, they'll eat like, they'll break it down to one meal a day and they'll tell all their friends, "Ah, I'm intermittent fat. I'm trying to lose 15 pounds. I only eat one meal a day, Mm -hmm. but they wait until 6 PM at night to eat their first meal. And then they just, they eat an entire Costco sheet cake, right? (laughs) They let loose. And so, uh, yeah, that's something I've, I only asked that just more personally for me, because that's something I wanted to get back into. I did it for a while, uh, 2019, 2020, I don't, probably when I was in the best shape of my life, even though I was like mm-hmm. 31, 32 years old, that was way better shape than I was when I was you know, 19 or 20. Yeah. Um, so something I should definitely do, but you brought up something there uh, a second ago that I definitely wanted to ask you about. So uh, my wife is a big believer uh, in having a healthy gut, you know, ensuring all the bad mm-hmm. toxins are out of our body. Uh, you posted an article on your website early September, I think it was September 1st about gut microbiome. Yeah why is gut microbiome like a vital part to someone's overall health, whether they're going through a weight loss journey, whether they're trying to build muscle, whether they're, you know, pre-diabetic and just trying to, to dial that back. Why is gut microbiome so important? So it's, it's kind of funny. So in back of the day, we used to think that all bacteria was bad. We would do Mm -hmm. things to eradicate bacteria in our body. Like, Oh, this is bacteria. You know, we know some bacteria is good because we get antibiotics from it, but we thought the bacteria in our body that there were some issues. The thing is, is that we actually have a lot of good bacteria that is in our gut, that's in our intestines. And that bacteria helps with digestion. That bacteria helps with hormones, but those bacteria help with transport. What we're seeing and what we think is the increase in colon cancer in young, in young adults is that the microbiome has been for lack of better terms, gone. And it's mainly because of ultra processed foods. And when I talk about ultra processed foods, I mean, things that have like sugar additives and color additives and chemicals, and it's just not real food. We know that that consumption gets rid of the gut microbiome. Mm Mm-hmm. Not a good thing. We also know it clears it out and Mm -hmm. fiber is a great thing that helps with your gut microbiome. We talk about prebiotics or probiotics, something like dill pickles, sauerkraut, all that helps your gut microbiome. We also know that gut microbiome besides keeping it regular, um, which everybody's like, that's what they think about. Yeah. They hear fiber and they're like, I don't need more fiber. Yeah, (laughs) No, you really do. So we're thinking what we're seeing now is there's so much correlation. We're talking the gut is like the, is the second brain. We're seeing a correlation between a gut microbiome and decrease in diabetes. We're seeing a correlation between gut microbiome and possibly a decrease in Alzheimer's and dementia. That is huge. Mm -hmm. Things that we never thought before. It's like, Oh, how can these good bacteria do all these amazing things? And they really do. And by keeping our gut microbiome, you can't really say balanced, but optimal by 
eating real food, by eating probiotics or prebiotics, that you are able in turn to help prevent disease. And to me, that's what it's all about because nobody wants heart disease. Nobody wants diabetes. Nobody wants Alzheimer's. So the things that we can help and do is kind of simple is just by the food that we eat. So is, um, and I know that this might not be the direct correlation, but like Alzheimer's, diabetes, some of those other chronic illnesses that you just talked about, is it a, a the microbiome being wiped out that can lead to those things? Or is it an over like too much uh, bacteria in the body. That's what leads to those things, which, which it's, end is it's, it? it's, it's a little bit of both. So it's like we have a gut okay. microbiome being wiped out. Then we also have those, those diseases are also diseases of chronic inflammation. Hmm. Kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, the, the ultra processed foods, the junk food increases your chronic inflammation inside. So it's not just one thing that's causing an increase in diabetes and heart disease and and alzheimer's it's the combination of what happens when you use or eat these ultra processed foods of what else they do so the gut microbiome um, they are increasing your inflammation inflammation in your body which in turn can cause metabolic syndrome which means that you have mm -hmm. a larger waistline and so it's it's the i want to say cascade effect of putting that kind of stuff in your in in, in consuming that food for sure. I think I saw an article a couple of weeks ago that, and, and I don't know if it was confirmed. I know they, they probably mentioned some Ivy league school that did uh, a, a test on it. Right. But it, it had something to do with inflammation saying that they, they really think the, the catalyst or the genesis of a lot of these chronic diseases is because of inflammation mm -hmm. or as they yeah. do tests on all these different, the one common denominator Dominator. is inflammation in all these people. Yeah. From your, your expertise, what is kind of the, what's the easy way for people a simple step. I shouldn't say easy. Everyone wants that easy button. We're trying yeah. to pull the easy button away from people. What's like the, the one thing that people could do that doesn't take a lot of work to reduce their inflammation? Uh, let's see. Shop the perimeter of the grocery store. Get back to the basics. It really is. Eat your Love that vegetables. Answer. It really is. And, and I know when this comes out, it'll be November. We are now in October and hello sugar season mm. right so october what do we have halloween then what halloween. do we have thanksgiving. thanksgiving then what do we have we have christmas and new years and and also same you know valentine's day valentine's so day. it's mm. this huge rush of constant sugar and sugar is an inflammatory we know that sugar is definitely it's a thing that cancer absolutely loves cancer thrives on sugar so if you can do two things shop the perimeter of the grocery store and decrease your consumption of added sugar that's really good but uh, the shop the perimeter of the grocery store i haven't heard that before that's uh, i'm gonna write that on a sticky note right next to my computer that's gonna be my new mantra get, get out of the center of the grocery store which i'm being facetious my wife does most of the grocery shopping and we eat pretty, we eat pretty clean in our house. A lot of, yeah. a lot of whole foods, a lot of, a lot of the perimeter stuff, but yeah. uh, every now and then I go and I'm, I'm very persuasive. So uh, we'll, we'll venture through the middle of the store every now and then. But uh, speaking of inflammation, thinking of, of the things that uh, I know that you specialize in on your website, you talk about becoming a pro fat burner Yeah. So without, without giving away too much information for free. Like what are two key things that people should be doing? to teach their bodies how to burn fat better. 
So you have to eat. There's two things Mm -hmm. you have to do. You have to eat and you have to lift weights in order to increase your muscle. If you don't eat, you can't build muscle. And if you're under eating, no matter what you're doing, you are not going to use fat as fuel. And that's where we have been kind of steered wrong in the diet industry is the diet industry is like, oh, you know, you're, you're hungry. And even the fitness industry, I'll, I'll be the same thing. It's like, oh, you're hungry. It's okay. You're, you know, you're burning fat. No, you're not. If you're not eating, you are burning muscle. Muscle is the quickest form of energy. It's science. Your body is going to hold on to body fat. The atmosphere has to be optimal for you to burn body fat, which means you have to be fueling your body, which means you have to be giving it good stuff because if it's just junk food, your body does not know how to process it does. It processes it. It sees it as people always say calories. Yeah, that's great. It's energy, but it's not quality energy. You look at a Snickers bar compared to some chicken and rice or sweet potato. It is not the same. It's just not. Your body will do so much more with the chicken and the sweet potato than it will with the Snickers bar. Snickers bar is going to give you a little bit of energy and then you're going to crash. And then we can talk about blood sugar spikes and what that does. But if you can eat right, fuel your body and build muscle, you will become a fat burner because your body's not looking for the next meal. It's, it's like, oh my gosh, they're finally feeding me. They're not starving me. What, what, you know, what can I do with this? That's awesome. One of the trends, you know, we talked about trends, one of the big trends right now. And so let's say, Amy, I'm, I'm eating right. I'm fueling myself. I'm eating the, the chicken and the sweet potato. I'm not eating the Snickers bar. Uh, I'm lifting weights, I'm getting stronger. But the the other thing that people are saying right now is it helps to burn fat. There's kind of two sides of this, infrared sauna or cold plunge. People are saying both. I, I, we have an infrared sauna here at our house. I love it. It makes me sweat like crazy. And so as I'm sweating, I'm like, oh, I'm burning fat, which may not be true. But I've, you know, the rave right now is cold plunges. Tell me a little bit about kind of that external uh, inhibitor that can help you burn fat as well. Um, from what I'm reading on that, it helps with, I think it's the brown adipose fat is what it does. Um, that's Chinese to me. (laughs) Honestly, I'm not really sure. Um, I've seen a lot of things going on with infrared and Mm. it's, it's, there's some good studies out there and it's, it's kind of like, for me, it's kind of like a wait and see, let's see what's going on. Um, and honestly, the people, I think you have to look at this way too. People who do cold plunges, people who are doing infrared are usually people who are healthy anyway. Mm, Good point. They're usually people who are incorporating different modalities and in their fitness or in their nutrition journey. Uh, So I would like to see the studies on somebody maybe who is not in, in, in that realm too, to see if there is an actual, what, what happens. Yeah. I never thought about that way. Yeah. Now that I think of all the people that are, you know, that you see online that are taking, maybe it, maybe it is just a spike for their social media. They're like, what's the next thing that I can do to, you know, gain more followers or get more likes. But, um, the cold plunge is, is kind of been the big thing lately, but you make a good point there of give someone that's a little overweight. Maybe, maybe their body mass index is in the upper thirties, uh, right. The, the forties where let's see how they react and, and put them through a six yeah. week, 12 week study and, and see how their body interacts. Maybe, hey, that can be something uh, that might boost your social media. If you want to throw that out there and <laughs> snag somebody and have them do it. But 
two things that I wanted to ask you. I'm going to start with the first one. I think the second one's probably going to take the rest of our episode. But uh, one thing that I've noticed, and, and I've, I've asked other doctors about this, but like if someone comes in uh, to their primary care doctor complaining about sore joints, complaining about lower back pain, complaining about low energy or low testosterone, and they're they're clearly overweight. I mean, I think we can both agree the majority of the U.S. society is is just overweight. Why don't primary care physicians typically suggest, hey, go out and get a, a weight loss plan, you know, start eating better nutrition, uh, get into a regular exercise program. Why isn't that the first, I guess, line of defense when there's sore joints, lower back pain, all the things that I mentioned um, versus, hey, I have, you know, this this pain medicine for your lower back pain. I have uh, we have low T pills for low testosterone, things like that. Why isn't the that first line of defense, you know, a, a weight loss regimen. I'm going to probably say, and I, you know, not, not to step on any physician's toes and they can, they mm -hmm. can definitely comment and feel free to email me and let me know. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say when they come out of school, they are gung ho on preventative gung ho. Mm -hmm. Like we all are, we want to change the world. We want to make it a better place. Their patients don't want to change their patients and they, and, and it's probably one of those things that they just throw their hands up in the air. And it's like, they don't want to change. It's, it's just easier to give a pill, especially with the amount of work that's put on them with the decreased time that they're given per patient. They don't have time to have those conversations and you have to have a very motivated patient and sometimes it takes that, okay, I'm going to put you on medication. And they say, whoa, 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 doc, I don't want to be on this medication. What else can I do? And then the conversation starts. Mm -hmm. But we're America. There's a pill for everything. For sure. And we talked about the easy button. We talked about, you know, wanting wanting something that is, is we don't have to think about. And I hurt, I take a pill. I can't concentrate, I take a pill. I can't lose weight, I take a pill or a shot. We're very much in that kind of realm, unfortunately. And a lot of times when you go to the doctor and I used, you see this all the time when I worked in retail is that if they went to the doctor and the doctor gave them advice and they didn't walk out with a prescription, they were mad. They were not happy. They, they're going there yeah. expecting to get the easy button. Yes. Mm. And so I think doctors in I said in utopia would love to be able to say, Hey, I want you to do X, Y, Z, but they don't have the time to sit there and say, here, would you be interested in do this, do this, do this, and come back and see me in two weeks mm -hmm. that it, I, and, and I, they may not have something to refer to either. And that might be a, another issue. Yeah. I, I think like the, the 50 year old male who's a blue collar worker, uh, you know, five foot eight, a little bit overweight right? That mm -hmm. they're just like, man, I just need this pain to go away because I got to get up and go to work tomorrow. They are expecting that doc, what can you give me that, that makes this pain go away? But is it safe to say, and let's, okay, let's say that same person I just described, um, is pre-diabetic. Yeah. Whether it runs in their family, they've just accumulated over time with, with poor habits. Is it safe to say that you could reverse the progression of diabetes with, you know, even at 50 years old, 
getting into a better nutrition plan, getting into regular exercise, even if that person hasn't worked out since they were in high school football, right? They, they haven't exercised a day since they were 18 uh, and now they're 50. Is it safe to say that if they got into better nutrition, better exercise, that they could reverse the progression of something like diabetes? Absolutely. And that's usually where the conversation starts. It may not be pain because they're not, they're not saying, oh, my diet is causing my pain is causing my inflammation. They are not putting that and saying, connecting the dots. Apples and oranges. Yeah. yeah, When the doctor says, hey, you're pre-diabetic. And if you don't get, you know, if you don't get this weight off, or if you don't start working on your health, I'm going to have to put you on insulin in a year. Or the other one is too, is you have high cholesterol and you have to go into statin soon. Mm. Sometimes that is the turning point. That is, okay, what can I do to reverse? Because you absolutely can reverse heart disease. You can reverse diabetes and you can reverse high cholesterol. It depends on how long it's been going on, but you Mm. can also make it better. So you can reverse or make it better. It's just depending on it depends on the motivation, which I'm sure all the doctors are listening going, yep, she's not, (laughs) you know, you have to have that motivated patient. Yeah. So it really isn't on the physician. They, they have the tools that they have to provide, right. It it really comes down to the patient and what their motivation and what type of drive they have to improve their situation. It shouldn't be walk in, expect a pill, you know, or a prescription, excuse me, drive to the pharmacy, get the pill. And and that's going to take away all the issues that you've been feeling. Uh, it doesn't. It really comes... it's, and, and I'm sure that physicians will um, agree with me is that the pill is a treatment, not a cure. Mm-hmm. And it's a bandaid. So if somebody is pre-diabetic, it's going to help, but eventually they'll probably end up going diabetic because mm-hmm. they're not changing anything. They are still doing everything to promote the disease, promote the inflammation, and it's the same way if somebody has heart disease or high cholesterol, if they're not changing anything, yeah, the pill is going to help, but it's not going to cure it. And it all depends. But what, what a lot of people don't understand is that one pill leads to two, that leads to three, because you start with diabetes, then you might get heart disease and you might get high cholesterol and then you get something else and then you have a side effect. So you get another pill and then you get this, what's called polypharmacy. And then when you get to the nursing home and I get you and they come in, they're coming in with 30 medications. Mm. I don't think anybody really understands that's what's going to happen. They just think one pill, okay, it's going to take care of everything. And they don't understand the cascade effect of of what is going to happen and the snowball that rolls downhill. And all of a sudden, before they know it, they're on all these medications and they're like, wait, 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 what happened? Hey, everyone. I wanted to take a moment to talk about what I do outside of being the host of the Doctors and Dollars podcast. I'm the CFO of Grand Vision Capital Group. At Grand Vision, we work with high-income earners who make a great living but still can't quite break through that true wealth ceiling. We utilize strategically chosen investments tailored for high-income earners. The question always at the forefront of our minds is, why wait for retirement to finally live when you can implement an investment strategy that will impact your life today? To be honest, most of the people we work with never even knew these options existed because their financial planner doesn't have access to these exclusive investments. So if you're ready to finally turn your high income into real wealth, visit our website, www.grandvision.co and hit the take action button in the top right corner to schedule some time with me or even better connect, follow me on any of my social media accounts, shoot me a message. Now back to the show. 
you you say that and now i think the snowball has created those little plastic containers that are labeled sunday monday tuesday wednesday that are just mm-hmm. in everybody's house these days yeah uh, those probably were not a thing 50 years ago uh, yeah. i'm guessing uh, but now that that's just a, well, I have to wake up and I got to make sure I drink eight ounces of water because I have seven pills to take and, uh, and I got to make not, sure I take them. Yeah. Those are the easy ones. I mean, there's now ones that have, they're, they're huge. It's like, a, because they'll have four different times of the day. So just one week we'll have what, 28 slots because of mm-hmm. medications being four times a day or three times a day. And yeah, it's kind of crazy. All right. Well, I want to finish up with you talking about something that doesn't take four times a day, uh, but it's definitely hot in the news right now. I know you've talked about it on other podcasts. It's a big, big hot topic uh, is Ozempic. Yeah, uh, it's all over social media. Certain celebrities are touting it to be, you know, the miracle resolution, you know, to weight loss that the, the weight that they never could shake before. All of a sudden it's gone. Right. Yeah. So explain to me uh, again, I'm coming from a, a, a sense of uh, or a place of curiosity, but also <laughs> some naiveness. I just don't know much about it other than you you get a shot in the butt every now and then and 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 you're good. But explain the science behind how Ozempic works. Uh, what are the positives about it? What are the negatives, you know, of someone using this as their weight loss solution? So Ozempic is a diabetes drug. It's also known as Wagovi, which is the uh, it's the same medication at a higher dose that's used for weight loss. Mm-hmm. It's what's called a GLP-1. So it's glucagon-like peptide 1. It is a hormone that is in your gut. We have that hormone and it does help regulate appetite. It also helps with insulin. The problem is, is that it, well, I won't say problem. So it was originally brought out for a diabetes medication had a pretty decent side effect profile, which was, hey, it causes about 10 to 15% weight loss. So if we think back to the last big blockbuster that um, the pharmaceutical companies had was Viagra. Viagra was originally for um, hypotension. And lo and behold, it had this pretty amazing side effect. And it creates tension. It definitely does that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And so Pfizer's like, Holy, you know, ching, 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 right? So yeah, it's like money maker. So sidenafil is not used that often for its original purpose. It's still used for its original purpose, but it's pretty much used for, you know, erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. That's, but it's also now generic. So there really hasn't been a cash cow per se for the pharmaceutical industry. They do see the diet industry, the three point some billion dollars that you said, Mm-hmm. as having a good, as being able to get into that realm. And the problem I have with Ozempic and Wagovi is that one is becoming a boutique drug. So we're seeing little pop-up clinics everywhere. It does have a place, but when someone just has 10 to 15, 20, 20 I want to say almost 25 pounds to lose, they're not being educated. I, and I understand, you know, the the the, the slow amount of time or the, the not amount of time that the physicians have in their office. But and I under, also understand the pressure. They come in, they're they're ticked, they're gaining weight, especially I'll say menopausal women. You know, I don't maybe you don't want to deal with them. Maybe it's something mm-hmm. that you're like, okay, I see this as a possible answer. It's the first time physicians have had something that is an answer to weight loss without saying diet and nutrition. It's the first mm-hmm. time. 
the problem as a consumer is that they're not doing their research. They're not seeing that, hey, I may have to be this on this for the rest of my life. I may have some serious side effects, which includes nausea and vomiting, diarrhea. Okay, maybe can maybe I can deal with that. But also gastroparesis, which is the total shutdown of your GI system. That's 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 not good. And I really thought five months ago we would start seeing some class action lawsuits in about five years. We're already seeing them now because of the the GI issues that are having mm-hmm. or occurring. That is my issue is that, and it's also not preventing disease. Yeah, they're losing weight. Okay, their A1C, which is a which is diabetes marker, might be going down. They're getting into their skinny jeans. They're happy, but they're not eating. And I was actually just on um, a podcast with a bariatric surgeon who uses Ozempic. And we had both, and it's funny because, you know, here I am, a pharmacist doesn't want you on medication and she doesn't like to prescribe it unless she knows they're eating, that they're eating healthy and they're not using it as the tool, the only tool to use to lose weight. So once again, the two things you need to do, shop the perimeter of the grocery store and lift weights, even when you are on Ozempic, because it actually takes where you don't want to eat. Hmm. It's how you lose weight. But we talked about before, you have to fuel your body in order to build muscle. You don't feel your fuel your body, you're using muscle. So what I'm afraid what we're going to start seeing is something called frailty. And we usually see that in the elderly population. So we're thinking 80s and 90s. So think about somebody who's shuffling their feet and you know, sure. very much have osteoporosis and they're not able to lift anything. And they're, and there are very, what we call frail. Well, there's different levels of frailty. My worry is we're going to start seeing frailty in the Gen X in early baby boomers who are doing this. And even we got millennials doing it too, mm-hmm. that we're going to start seeing this because we're going to start seeing the osteoporosis. We're going to start seeing some muscle wasting. We're already seeing with the with the face and we're calling it Olympic butt, Olympic face. That's not healthy. And if they're not eating or they think they can eat the Doritos or the candy, we're still fueling cancer. We're still fueling other diseases. They might be fine for diabetes for right now. They might be fine for heart disease right now, but there's going to be other issues on down the line. Yeah. So your worry is not that uh, people aren't going to look better because we we can see online. I mean, I was reading something about Rebel Wilson, the actress that lost a bunch of weight. People thought she was using Ozempic. She said she didn't. Uh, but the fact that she lost so much weight, she kind of had the caved in face. That's why people were calling that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was touting, hey, I could I can fit in my skinny jeans again. Your concern is that people will fit in their skinny jeans and they're losing weight, but truly their uh, their body fat percentage is increasing. Yeah. And that's and it's not because they're gaining more fat on top of the frame that they had. It's that they're losing muscle. Yeah. And that's, that's going to create frailty sooner. Yeah. We call it skinny fat. So, you know, it's, you can be skinny and you can still have fat. And then, you know, then your, then your muscles, your, there's no muscles. There's nothing to pick up. Your bones are fragile. You have breaks, hip, hip break, you know, your hip breaks or your, you falling and and your wrist snap. That's, that's what I'm worried that we're going to start seeing. And the fact that now we think, we're America. There's something, there, there's a medication for everything. Our body wants real food. Our body mm-hmm. wants movement. 
that's what we need. And it is the longer way and it's not the fast way. And, and right now I think we're seeing a lot of, I won't say peer pressure, but it's maybe society pressure, society norms that we don't, I know there's towns here in Kentucky where everybody's on it. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's difficult when you see your best friend is losing weight like crazy. And here you are doing it the old fashioned way or slow way. That's mm-hmm. hard. But to understand the reason behind it, to understand how is that medication serving your body? How are you fueling your body to prevent disease later in life? You have to look at the bigger picture, not just what's here in six weeks. Mm -hmm. I always joke that uh, there's two ways to wear uh, like yoga pants. There's to actually go do a workout in yoga pants and work hard and do the right thing. Or you wear yoga pants to tighten everything up, right? Yes. It's just, a, yeah. it's a fashion. Yeah. So thinking of that, is, is there some concern then that you have that let's say there is this fad, right? We've been, that's kind of been our theme today. If there's yeah. been a, uh, the, the Ozempic fad, muscles deteriorating, uh, body fat percentages going up, people are that skinny fat, yeah. fad kind of goes away. We, those same people who now have instigated some frailty like you talked about, now they do start eating and they do start working out. Is there some concern that their bodies are not going to be able to handle that because they don't have the muscle mass and they have too much body fat? There's, there is, well, one, they've really slowed down their metabolism. So if they go off the medication, we do know we were seeing rapid weight gain. We are already seeing that. Oh, okay. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's coming back and coming back very, very fast because in, in, oh, oh, let me, let me say that in people who haven't changed anything else. So they didn't change their nutrition. They didn't change how they were working out or start working out or lifting weights. And for whatever reason, maybe they were having too much side effects or the insurance company's not paying for it, or they don't want to pay out of pocket anymore. And yes. And for females, I'm just looking at the psyche of it because we've been yo-yo dieting for years and that up, down, up, down, up, down just plays mind games with you all the time. You feel like a failure. You feel like that you're just nothing's ever going to work. Why me? And I can totally see that issue where you're almost, it's it's almost where an, I would say addiction that you could almost be addicted to Ozepic because of that is you get that high when you feel skinny, when you feel, when you, when you get to your skinny mm-hmm. jeans. And I think the problem is that you're going to see someone always kind of chasing that high. And I know doctors, uh, friends of mine are already saying, you know, I have people who want to keep upping their dose because they're not losing weight fast enough. They want to keep upping and upping. It's, you know, it's kind of like that same person who is trying to get that hit. They keep upping the dose. So they get that hit. People won't. People will think, oh, I can't believe you're, t- you're, you're saying that became drug use, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. it is, it, it's, it's, you can be addicted to, I was addicted to exercise. It's the same thing. You're going for the endorphins, you're going for the hit and you got to find balance. It really, it always comes down to finding balance, finding health. Gotcha. You made the perfect segue into the last thing I wanted to ask you about. And it was, it was that dopamine. It's that high, right? So yeah. you could probably guess what I'm going to ask you about. Uh, so you're a geriatric pharmacist. You work in nursing homes. You have yeah. a, you work with a lot of elderly patients. Uh, medical marijuana is a big thing. Uh, it has been a topic that I, I, you probably know more research studies than I do. It has proven to help a lot of elderly patients with different uh, chronic diseases, different ailments, things mm-hmm. that are going on. Talk to me about why you feel that that is 
it's important if you do feel like it's important and if you don't tell me why it's not important and and why it should be more common practice for that generation who maybe as they were growing up they're like oh man you don't marijuana you know back in the 70s maybe it was a big old thing but like anybody any generation earlier than that is like like my grandparents for example they'd be like marijuana get out of here i've never touched that stuff the boomers know about this so they're yeah. The boomers yeah. do. Yeah. So my grandparents yeah. were in their eighties. They're obviously 80s, yeah. like, yeah. no way am I touching marijuana, but like, if you are pro medical marijuana or, or marijuana usage in, in geriatric, excuse me, geriatric patients, tell me why. So we do have something called Marinol, which is a FDA approved okay. medication that we use a lot of times for appetite. Um, it is a marijuana derived medication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would love to see medical marijuana use because I think in some cases it would help with some of our Parkinson's patients. It would help with those who we would call failure to thrive, uh, that they just don't eat. They just don't have any interest in anything. Try to everything else. It doesn't work. The, the issues that w- it's all legalities. It's all mm-hmm. how. Ha- how do we dispense this? How and in in nursing homes are governed by CMS, uh, and they regulate everything, regulate Medicaid, Medicare, and that's how the dollars come. It will be interesting to see what they say as to if you can initiate it, how it has to be dispensed, how it has to be, um, I guess, marked. The other thing you have to worry about is diversion, which means unfortunately people stealing from, Mm -hmm. from, um, from the med carts, but yeah, I would like to see how, if we can control it, if it would help with some cases, dementia, if it would help with, um, moods and especially eating. Cause we do see that a lot of times we where we're seeing lots of weight loss and some of the medications cause other side effects that are not Mm -hmm. so good. One being what's called metoclopramide or Reglan. Um, it can cause what's called tardive dyskinesia and it'll be in it's, it's the next three or four years because like in Kentucky it just became legal I think it comes legal for sure in January we're starting to see more families ask about it um but the but the nursing homes right now are still not sure on how to bring it in or deal with it. So more than likely it's going to be people who are outside of nursing homes who are yeah. who are experimenting or seeing how it works with them. Yeah. I still have to say it's a drug. Don't drive. Um, (laughs) You know, where we are seeing that now is, you know, under the influence. So understand how a medication is going to work with you and, or work against you and what side effects that you may, you may get in the meantime. Yeah. The the failure to thrive thing. uh, That makes sense to me. I mean, you hear stories all the time of like, uh, husband and wife have been married for mm-hmm. 60 years. Wife passes away. Husband can't take care of himself. So he goes into a nursing home, but like she was his whole world. And yeah. shortly after he's at, like, he just yeah. had no willingness Lost to go will. on. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the failure to thrive, that makes sense to me, you know, smoke a little bit of marijuana or however it is that, that, that gets ingested, creates some appetite, creates, you know, a little bit of yeah. a little good mood. Right. Uh, Alzheimer's though, that, um, or not Alzheimer's Parkinson's you mentioned, tell me how it, how it can benefit someone with Parkinson's. That's interesting. Well, from what we're seeing and I'm not, you know, I don't have the studies. It's just what I see or hear is that it does seem to help with the tremors. Okay. So that's, and I haven't seen it firsthand. It's just reading articles. 
Yeah. Is that just like the slowing of the muscle? Like it just kind of loosens up the muscles or what is it that yeah it, and and like i said i don't i don't know because i don't sure. i don't you know there's there's parkinson medication out there but the parkinson medication i deal with is is on the psych psychiatric side of it uh -huh. um but not with the actual tremors awesome well amy it has been a pleasure getting to talk to you uh you're an awesome guest you're super smart i can tell uh i want people to connect with you uh where can they find you what's your website all the social media is blasted all out well, feel free to contact me on my website, amykwilson.com. Uh, don't forget the K because there's a lot of Amy Wilsons out there, but amykwilson.com. And if there's any physicians who are like, okay, I just want somebody that they can talk to, or I would prefer the nutrition fitness part. I do have a referral program. I do work with physicians. I am virtual. So I can, um, I actually have a client right now in Denmark. So it's, it's, it's worldwide awesome. as you can just go to my website. You can get all my socials that way. You can contact me that way. Um, and you can see my, the blogs that we were talking about. So amykwilson.com. Awesome. We will put that on the link, uh, in the YouTube video as, as well as on our landing page, uh, for the doctors and dollars podcast. But again, Amy, thank you for coming. Uh, it was good talking to you today and, and wishing you the best. Oh, thank you for having me. Hey, everyone. As we wrap up today's episode, I want to talk about the second opinion. As most of our listeners are physicians, you guys know the importance of having another medical professional's insight for a patient's treatment plan. But have you ever considered having a second opinion on your financial plan? Or have you simply trusted your financial advisor that they've already leveraged every strategy that your family needs to be 100% on track to meet your financial goals? That's why for my Doctors and Dollars listeners, each Wednesday, I block off three time slots, an hour each, to provide a free second opinion of their financial plan. During this hour, we'll reevaluate your financial goals and your risk tolerance, we'll ensure tax mitigation strategies are in place, and ultimately give you confidence with your financial outlook, because that is what drives a happy home, a happy marriage, and peace of mind. These three spots each Wednesday do fill up fast. Send me an email at nate at grandvision.co or head over to www.grandvision.co backslash second opinion to fill out a quick form about you and schedule a time for us to meet. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope the rest of your week is abundant. Cheers.